Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements, and this is the podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Today, we're joined by actor Galen Howard. Welcome to the show, Galen. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to to talk to you today. Um, are you are you dialing in from LA? Yes, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, yeah, California, born and raised. But yeah, been in um, in sunny at Los Angeles for about twelve years now. It's always nice doing um, pods with uh, people on America Time. You're fresh faced. I've had a full day over here. Um, but yeah, you've exactly. rolled out of bed. You've turned the mic on, and here we are talking yes. movies. <laughs> Yes, yes, I, yeah. I don't know how fresh faced I am. I think I'm probably my, my freshest around, you know, early afternoon. But <laughs> so let's see how long the podcast recording goes on for, because maybe we'll exactly, hit that. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, we just might. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's a yeah, lot to talk, uh, lot to talk about in this one. You know, I'm very excited to that we were able to uh, um, have an. I was able to have an excuse to talk about one of my favorites oh that's what we love to hear uh, sharing it's all about fandom i love films that are under 90 minutes long and, and talking to people uh about them and and then i love finding someone who can talk about something that they're a, a fan of so definitely we'll definitely get into that um, but let's introduce you to the listeners who are you galen you're uh you're, you're an actor of, of so many credits as well to your name you're you're a busy guy but i think recently um people may have seen you in some really big shows book of boba fett and brooklyn 99 Yes. Yeah. Had a, um, had a couple, um, did a couple episodes on each. Um, yeah. Did both of those, um, you know, shortly after the pandemic, um, right at the, the kind of the return to production at the, um, you know, end of 2020, uh, beginning of 2021. And, um, that was, um, really wonderful to be on, you know, to A to B back, you know, as all of us, you know, in the industry being back to work, in any capacity and then to be able to you know work on that you know that that ca- that caliber of work and just uh that you know that caliber of production and that and just uh, you know some you know in, incredible creative minds you know at the helm so on on both yeah so so that was yeah that was a real treat earlier this year i think one of the must watch tv shows was book of boba fett you know the latest Certainly. uh star wars uh, adventure is is that daunting? You know, jo- joining such a such a beloved universe, and you know, you've got a Wikipedia page now. You're you're very much in it. <laughs> it's 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 a surreal experience. Yes, I you know it was it's it's so it, it's interesting. Yeah, because of course, like anyone, I you know we've it, you know I've you know grown up on um, on Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is really um, you know whether you know whether you're a super fan or just or or more peripherally aware it's it, you know it, i think star wars is really kind of you know modern myth making you know is really the kind of um you know mo- it's really it is really like modern mythology in a, in many ways to be a part of that is just it, it, yeah it, it's an incredible experience and but uh, but i think also also, what was great is to be on that set and, you know, everything is, you know, despite everything that, you know, so much, you know, the, you know, the, the pressure of the kind of material that they're, 
um, that they have in hand. You know, there everything was just the the vibe was very relaxed, and um, you know to to see like John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez just kind of kind of banter back and forth and then just kind of casually come to a conclusion of what they want for that scene and that sort of thing is just is yeah everything was just very kind of off the cuff and you know um I mean of course you know it, the the product of you know months and months and months of of um of, of preparation but but still it's um but yeah once they're in the moment to you know everything was you know they were able to be very relaxed and just kind of let things present themselves in that way. But it was very much like, you know, this is, you know, this is the scene. Let's, you know, let's go through it. And, you know, and they will get very technical about things. You know, I mean, it's a very, you know, the look of that show is so specific. Everything, how you fit in the frame is very, um, is very calculated, I think. Um, but it's, um, so that was, that was a very interesting experience um, to be, you know, to get very technical as far as like exactly how, where and how you tilted your head in the frame, you know, would, would, would be, you know, would be analyzed, would be, um, would be adjusted. So that, you know, so it's interesting to be able to kind of get very technical in that and still, you know, give an actual performance. That sounds great. Like proper, yeah. proper filmmaking, uh, exactly. with some, you know, incredible yeah. people behind the camera on that show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, my, my, um, my, uh, my, a, a very, a very proud moment for me was, you know, my, my big, my main, um, the, the episode in which my main scene, um, aired, uh, you know, was what, you know, which I had my main scene was, um, uh, shot by the legendary cinematographer, Dean Cundy. Wow. Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, Jurassic Park. I mean, yeah, I mean, all genre, genre filmmaking of the last, you know, 40 years, everything from, yeah, Jurassic Park, how the original Halloween, uh, the Back to the Future trilogy, you know, he's, yeah, a, an absolute legend. So that was, yeah, that was a real treat. A, a flattering moment was, um, you know, I, I wasn't, unfortunately, wasn't able to attend um, uh, Star Wars Celebration this year, but uh, if um, but I got word back that you know, so, uh, that someone there uh, cosplayed my character. Oh, that's incredible! Oh, that must be very cool. <laughs> that, yes, I was. You know, I yeah had a little uh, yeah had a little back and forth with with, with the with the fellow on uh, on Facebook, and you know, thanked him for giving me bragging rights to all my friends. You know, do you have time when you're working to watch movies? How how do you fit movies into your life? I justify a lot of it as research, you know, I mean, you know, you have to, and, uh, you know, I, you know, including, including on my taxes at the end of the year, um, <laughs> it is part of the, you know, it is part of my job to, you know, be aware of what's going on, but also, you know, to, you know, find, find ways to, you know, remind, remind myself why, you know, you know, why I love what I do. And I think, you know, when, when you have a, when you're in a, when you get to have a really, you know, transcendent experience at the movies, you know, whether it's in the theater or in the comfort of your living room, it's, uh, you know, I, th I think it's, it's a really, it, it's, it's something very special. And it really, and for me as someone who's been in the industry and, you know, I think a lot of, you know, the, you know, the lights don't sparkle as much if you see them all the time, you know? And so it's, so it's important to, I think, um, you know, to, to find, you know, to find those times to really, you know, get in touch with the magic again and, you know, what, and, and what really made that magic sing, you know, when you were a kid and what, what made you, you know, what made you want to, you know, 
right away with the circus. When you go to the movies, do you ever look at how long the film's runtime is? Does that ever influence your decision-making process? Oh, yeah. You know, it's it, yeah, as far as more of like a, a scheduling thing, you know, sometimes it's an energy thing if I've had a really, if I, you know, had a long day and it's like, yeah, do you want to, you know, a 90 to 100 movie, 100 minute movie versus, you know, a, you know, two and a half, three hour movie, you know, or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, or a, you know, scheduling thing as far as, you know, when you need, when you need to get back home or that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I often try to just kind of, you know, if once I've decided to go to, you know, my friends and I have decided to go to the movies, that sort of thing, you know, you kind of just, you, um, you set aside that certain amount of time and then just, you know, kind of you, you set aside a certain window and that allows for, you know, whatever you want to see. My favorite part of doing this is uh, is asking our guests what they'd like to talk about. And you came up with a couple of ideas, but you did whittle it down uh, to our one film today. So, so Galen, what are we going to be talking about and, and how did you settle on this film? So I selected um, True Stories from uh, 1986 by one-time feature filmmaker and m music legend David Byrne. I'm a huge Talking Heads David Byrne fan and um, originally, yeah, probably originally saw it, yeah, about about 15 years or so ago. And um, it's just, a, it's a film just truly like no other. And it's, um, you know, as far as, you know, how it was conceived and what, and the, um, the way, uh, the way it's delivered and, um, and, you know, it's a, it's a very much a, a loose, a, a, you know, a, a very, a very loose narrative. Um, it's, it, you know, it's a, kind of almost a, like a landscape portrait, you know, kind of a, a moving landscape portrait that you're, you're, you're watching. And for those who haven't seen it, it's um, a film that was conceived at the same time as the album True Stories uh, Dave, uh, that the Talking Heads did in 86. And it was uh, kind of a, you know, it, it's in ways kind of a musical, kind of, kind of in the way that like, um, Kind of in the way that, like, uh, um, like Oh Brother Where Art Thou is a musical in that, uh, you know, in that format. I think it um, goes a little, uh, you know, it, it kind of plays that line of, uh, you know, of what is a musical, as you know, because there are moments that that kind of where you kind of step away from the reality of it, and so it kind of, I mean, because there is a, you know, I mean, musicals where you know, it, it's so funny with musicals because they're they are. Um, um, they are so much part of the mainstream, you know, experience in America and true Americana is the musical, but there's also nothing more surreal than people suddenly bursting into song. And I think this film really captures that in the, in some of the moments of, of when, of when you leave a, 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 um, a normal moment and then segue into song and it's, uh, you know, they really kind of, they really kind of embrace the surreality of that. And, um, you know, I think this film is really just, it's a, it's like a, a gentle, surreal satire on at that time, modern living and consumer culture and religion and um, the isolating nature of being in society and in what, and what it means to, um, uh, you know what it means to pursue um to pursue love in a in a culture that's um where where so much where so much of the emotions tied to love are kind of um synthetically um fulfilled and i think it's a yeah it's a really profound film in many ways and um 
yeah it's and so it was so revisiting it was uh, you know just a real uh, real privilege and, and i should say this is my first time watching the film and and you know sometimes on on the show it's a film i've seen before and it's nice to revisit or something i'm a fan of i'm like yeah let's do this and sometimes it is a totally you know blank slate for me and i get to watch something new uh, for the first time and, and and fall in love with it which i i did with this film so thank you uh, for choosing true stories it's uh, it was it was like the best homework i've ever had oh <laughs> well oh well that, that that means a lot yeah for for yeah for someone who's had a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, a, a film view, a film homework over the years you know that's a that, that's a high compliment yeah you're in you're in the top you know like top list top 10 easily uh, oh for sure fantastic Oh, fantastic! Well, yeah, this is definitely one of those films that you know when you can, when you can. Sh- it, it, I think I think some people call it like the you know the the uh, the secret handshake films, you know, where it's like when you fi- when you you introduce a film to someone and they they have a comparable experience that you had, and then it's there's that there's that immediate bond and kinship, you know, of of, of two people ex- having a having a similar experience at a film it's a it's definitely one of those barometer films you know when you uh when you're selecting new friends it's like do they pass the test this is definitely part of the test for me look at this who can say it isn't beautiful sky bricks who do you think lives there Four-car garage. Hope. Fear. Excitement. Satisfaction. The film is presented as a series of vignettes centered around Byrne as an unnamed cowboy hat-wearing stranger who visits the fictional Texas town of Virgil, where he observes the citizens as they prepare for the celebration of specialness to mark the 150th anniversary of Texas's independence. Uh, the event is being sponsored uh, by a local company, the Vericorp Corporation, uh, who manufacture computers at a big uh, computer manufacturing plant. And I guess the the sort of purpose of this is it gives uh, David Byrne and, and the screenwriters a chance to sort of explore the many people who live in a, in a town like this, you know, it's a, it's a working town. A lot of people work at the same giant corporation uh, and everybody's got their own, you know, sort of lives. Once you go, all the houses look kind of the same, but once you go through the doors and what they do in this film very well is show the very, very different personalities uh, who live inside these, you know, model homes. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the uniqueness, the, yeah, the individuality. And I think that's a, it's a big part of that. I think um, is, you know, about, celebrating you know individ- the individuality that's uh that that lives in conformity and you I, I, all throughout the film i think quite early on you see uh people working on a production line in the computer factory and you know they all have to wear the same overalls and it means that i think the costume designers and the set designers get to do this amazing tonal work the whole film is like a painting oh, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's there's different hues and all this sort of stuff uh, but there's also, you know, we get to meet, you know, some some wacky characters <laughs> working on the production line, and and the film goes on from there. It's yeah. There's a number of there's a number of recurring characters. I think um, yeah, probably the one the 
the one character we spend outside of David Byrne, the, mo- the character we probably spend the most time with is John Goodman's character, uh, the the lovelorn Lewis Fine. Lewis Fine, a, a man who, wear, speaking of, of costumes, is always wearing a great suit. You know, these amazing, you know, different colors, really bold color suits. He's got a great, you know, shirt underneath with a with a collar, and I, I got suit envy from John Goodman. I, I have oh, to say. absolutely, <laughs> yeah. This is a real treat because this is probably one one of his uh, one of his very first you know prominent roles uh, you know you know prominent acting roles. He had done a lot of kind of you know character bits, you know, seen here, seen there, kind of um, kind of jobs, you know, th- in the early eighties. And I think yeah, this this was kind of like you know right where everything started to you know kind of blow up for him. This is like right before Roseanne, and I think he did. The Big Easy the same year, and then an, uh, yeah, and then I think you know he did uh, Raising Arizona the the following. So this is all kind of you know you, you kind of see everything kind of gear up for him at this point, and um, yeah, I think it's um, it's a wonderful early part for him, and I think it just um, the earnestness and sweetness of his character is just I th- I find I find so compelling, and just um, you know um, it, yeah it just it, yeah, yeah, so endearing. A hundred percent. What I loved about uh, Lewis Fine is, you know, he's got a very simple goal in the film, but he's not. He, it's not like the be all and end all. Like he wants to find someone to fall in love with, but if he doesn't find that person today, that's okay. And 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 that's such a great you know mantra for a character. And and John Goodman plays it so well. And it it, it you know this whole vignette structure is wonderful for the you know, like cut in sort of scenes or sketches, like seeing John Goodman on on dates that don't quite go to plan. Um, I love when he's he's having a session, a yoga session uh, yes. with a lady, uh, quite again, <laughs> early in the film. But like, it just sort of like lets you, that's a great sketch, you know? <laughs> that whole that, that that whole scene, when, it, when there's, it says so much, cause like they're, they're doing, like they're, they're clearly like in her bedroom, like they're on her bed doing the yoga. So it's like, you know, they're, you, you know, you can kind of fill in the blanks of what the, you know, kind of the, what kind of maybe led up to this moment and that sort of thing and but then there there they are doing yoga you know very awkwardly and the and the the yeah and the him just you know very earnestly trying to adapt to it and you know you know the his um you know kind of willingness to fail in that moment is just so lovely and that just sort of carries on on throughout and it's um yeah yeah burns character is quite passive uh this unnamed sort of cowboy giving us this narration but i also like how he can drop in uh, to the story and you know interact with people and and his interactions with Lewis are so good. I mean, also like what a revelation uh, David Byrne is for you know directing, but also being uh, you know a, such a great performer and, yeah. and building up you know these these great on screen relationships with all of his cast. But that John Goodman one, I think, is is really special. Oh, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, most um, I mean the majority of the um, of the actors were you know on you know um, you know at the time unknown. I think you know it was more just. Um, kind of stalwart, you know, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, a lot of these like working class actors that you've seen in everything. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite performers is in this, um, you know, you know, who's, um, you know, more of a, you know, his audience is a, you know, a little more niche and more in the th- on uh, on live theater, but uh, the um, the monologist uh, Spalding Gray, who's the, you know, who who plays the, you know, CEO of Veracorp. You know, if you haven't seen um, uh, Swimming to Cambodia, um, you know, that's a, you know, incredible film. 
Um, yeah, funny enough, it was a uh, Jonathan Demi directed that too. So Jonathan Demi directed, you know, Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads film, and I think, um, yeah, and around that, and I, I would imagine from his relationship with David Byrne, you know, kind of discovered Spalding Gray from this. But um, but yeah, it's a yeah, it's yeah, great to see that kind of crossover. It was fun sort of watching this. You know, I, I know David Byrne. I'm a big fan of his music, and and when he pops up in movies or or does a live performance or something, I'm always watching. Stop making sense. One of my favorite films of all time. Oh, you know, that's like great! A, yeah, such a big five star experience. I think it's also under ninety minutes, but we haven't done it on the show yet, so uh, I need to keep an eye. Okay, on that. okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I wasn't. Sh- I wasn't sure if it's. Yeah, I mean, it's such a. Yeah, that's such an incredible experience. I know. I you know. I remember when that um, um, when when they um, uh, w- you know when they when they did the um, I think the 15 year anniversary and brought it back to theaters one summer you know it was uh, you know whenever they would play it you know people would people would get out of their seats and start dancing you know the effect that that movie had I mean it's just a, that's it's a, yeah one obviously one of the top um, concert films ever made but sir but I think it just um, as a it's, it's a cinematic experience, I think one of the tops too. That's Kay Culver for the celebration of specialness. She's married to Earl. You heard of him? Mm-hmm. Well, he pretty much single-handedly brought Barracuda to Virgil. Yeah, you know, I bet this mall wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Yeah, I'm having dinner with him later. Well, listen, I I heard that Earl and Kay haven't spoken to one another in years. At least not directly. Believe it. Okay. What time is it? If everyone notices, maybe it's too much. But where would we be? The film's got such a sort of a light, playful touch, which I think you hear in in uh, David Byrne's lyrics, and also when he's on stage. Like he is a he's an all round entertainer. You know, 100%. singing, dancing, acting, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. But he's worked it all into this film. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it is very much like, you know, it really does like what um, it does for like, you know, it does for him. He's able to do for himself what, uh, you know, the what Richard Lester did for the Beatles in, in, um, in Hard Day's Night. You know, a film that is it, that truly boils down the, you know, the essence of the music and, you know, the vision of the of the uh, of the musicians and i think he's you know this is you know this is very this is truly a david byrne experience yeah no definitely it's sort of like he's put so much stuff into a blender including you know the album uh, that they're working on at the moment as well and it's sort of like it's it's fused with the with the performers and 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 what i love is like with the the film is littered with musical scenes like you mentioned earlier but it isn't like a we're going to do a record accurate version of this song you know, they're sort of distilled and they're, maybe they're sung by different people or exactly sort of like a low key version of of a song. But, you know, we all know the tune by the time we're we're listening to this. If you if you come at this as a fan of, of Burn and Talking Heads, it's great how weaved in together they are. You know, it's a proper symbiotic relationship. I think probably like the 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 most well-known song in this album is actually one of the ones that is um, coincidentally, you know, coincidentally or not, it's probably the the song that's you know, the the most recognizable song is the one that's a. Uh, Kind of delivered here in its entirety is the um in its original form is uh, wild wild life the wonderful karaoke scene <laughs> the karaoke dance party scene is just fantastic 
yeah, it keeps you guessing as an audience, you know, because you're not sure how how often the songs are going to be. Oh, I wasn't anyway. I guess watching it for my first time, you know, what what are we going to do here with to get to get the music across? And I was pleasant every time. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, in fact, uh, in fact, the, the the scene from Wild Wild Life was just um, um, was just lifted, you know, start to finish for the for the video for the MTV vi- when. The, when the video played on MTV, they just just literally just took this scene. And, you know? and yeah, it makes total sense to do that. You know, it's it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. The scene is great. Yeah, I'm sure it was crafted that way. You know, I, I think you know there's um, there's a number of um, you know films like that. Yeah, you know, films like that that would do that. You know, yeah. You just kind of have your um, you know you kind of have that that mo- that the whole scene that you can then just lift you know for another purpose like that. Um, Probably my favorite. Some of my favorites are probably the um, uh, Dream Operator, the the beauty pageant scene for Dream Operator is just, I think, just a, a, a surreally beautiful scene. Like I was, you know, um, you know, I was almost getting like 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 teary eyed during that scene because there's something just so pure about that, and just the the earnestness of consumer culture. And, you know, because you're seeing all of these, um, um, you know, um, you know, all of these, you know, all of these costumes and all of these, um, all of these different, um, different wardrobes that people are donning and, you know, all kind of, you know, you know, often it's, uh, you know, as kind of a, they're almost like kind of spokesmodel costumes and that sort of thing. And it's all, and there's, there is just this kind of, um, this kind of earnestness in, you know, consuming and, you know, just finding something that, you know, is going to bring us joy in the moment. And I think that was that was kind of uh, you know, that was kind of so much about what that scene was. I think that's why it works, because it's, it's sort of like relatable. It's a commentary on on life. It's relatable. Um, but it's it's just through that prism of, of David Burns, you know, like the, the satire he he often you know puts into his songs, that surrealist sort of humor that he's he's so good at. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful performance from him, um, as well as this sort of like, you know, sort of ethereal, all-seeing, unnamed cowboy. I, I loved it. Like, at that first shot of the film is him walking into the projection of the uh, of the movie through the sort of cinema screen. And, and I, that was just a great visual shot. You know, I was so surprised. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's um, right, right. Definitely sets the sets the tone and kind of the rules of the movie and with that scene. He's certainly not an a trained actor, but I think his sort of awkwardness um, in, on camera really worked for this. And it's, I mean, it, you know, there's obviously you know, a method to his madness as far as having him as the kind of the the narrator and kind of the you know like always very neutral and like you know not really and you know never really has an opinion on anything. Is just kind of experiencing it in the moment, you know, with the audience and just like. Oh well, well you look at that, you know. Oh, oh well, that's that's interesting, you know. And just um, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, all, there's almost kind of like a there's a savant quality, like uh, you know, to the way that he's seeing everything and kind of taking it in. It's um, you know, it's really lovely. Yeah, and the, and and what I also love is the yeah, because as you said, there is a there is a kind of a. A, 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 a satire in a lot of these scenes, but there's nothing. The the satire that he brings to this movie isn't 
it's never nasty or mean. No, not at all. Totally like observational. Very observational, very gentle, and you know, and very affectionate. It's like very like you know, exposing. You know, it's exposing these things, but in, in a way that's in a way that's very compassionate. I think, and that's I think what really what really affected me in this watching is just how he's able to kind of you know, shine a light on things, but not in an invasive way, not in a way that's judgmental, um, you know, or, you know, destructive. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's almost like a very nurturing kind of satire. Absolutely. It sort of lends itself to the vignette structure where he can drop in with every character, no matter yes. what their motive is or their personal situation. And, you know, we meet some great characters in addition to John Goodman, you know, there's the the, the woman who doesn't get out of bed because she's got so much money. Why should she need to, to do that? And she's just as relatable in a way to, you know. You know, yeah. If you had that much money, yeah, you would stay in bed too. Yeah. yeah they, there's they, no judgment. It's just a flight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. They're, they're all, they almost kind of, they, they almost, like, he almost go, goes along with it. It's like, well, yes, well, if you had that much money, why would you need to get out of bed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's um and um yeah or the there's the woman that he that uh that John Goodman date goes on a date with who's um who can uh, the compulsive liar oh yeah <laughs> says that she you know wrote songs for Elvis <laughs> just like she just cannot stop lying the whole time it's uh, yeah um very you know there's 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 something you know very kind of endearing about that you know and um um the and then the the other woman that he visits who um you know needs everything to be cute and sweet that scene looks incredible as well doesn't it oh uh, the yeah the, the pink the, and the blues the pink and blues and the and her, John Goodman suit at that point exactly yes yeah I think she's actually she's credited in the film as cute woman <laughs> and yeah and that is like yeah everything is you know she's like oh well you know i i love things for you know i i love things to be sweet because sweet things are often cute you know a lot of it i i think robert altman's a really good comp but also i think when we meet the characters it's, it's kind of like the simpsons like you know the people of springfield and they have maybe they have like one thing about them and in this film you know we just explore that one element i i i could i could see matt Groening being a fan of this film for sure Absolutely. There is a, yeah, there is that kind of quality of every character kind of telling you something more about giving, adding flavor to the town, giving you, telling you something about, about this place. It's like vice versa. It's like the, the, you know, the town tells you about the people and the people tell you about the town. People like us, we don't want freedom. We, yeah, meow, meow, meow. We just want someone to love. You know when you sing them, your eye sockets go back in your head and it makes your eyes get beady. But what about my music? It's awful sad. I couldn't have that kind of sadness in my life. We talked about the songs a little bit, but have you got a favorite scene or or a favorite you know sort of moment in this movie? The I mean the the scene the scene I always remember the scene that I you know would 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 think of you know prior to this rewatch was always the the scene with the um with the cute woman and John Goodman and you know when he um when he kind of um 
hum, sings a few bars of uh, the the people like us song and you know and and just you know this um you know song that's very personal to him about his you know simple upbringing and you know just his and his need for love and his need to have someone to love and uh and that this for you know for him it's a for him it's a very it's something very it's very personal it's very um it's very it's his truth and for and for this other woman all she can she can't all she can see is the sadness and she it's like oh this made me feel sad i don't like it you know and i think that's <laughs> you know that's that's just something it's a something we come up against a lot is just like oh you made me feel <laughs> you you made me feel something <laughs> yeah i just i love that i just i love that scene of yeah and you know him just saying like well i i i don't know maybe i am sad i don't i didn't hadn't even thought about it you know he's just very he's just living living in his truth and um and you know yeah there is and you know that's his very much his character of just like you know oh well you know i i hadn't thought about it that way but yeah i guess you're right you know he's very you know he's he he's so earnest and so so true to himself and um you know that you know that scene of like this this disconnect between two people of someone being true to himself and this other person not being able to 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 see that truth is just you know i think is very relatable i think for anyone when we're you know when 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 we're trying to you know find you know people in our tribe you know whether it's friends or a romantic partner or anyone it's always you know are you you know can you you know uh, you know, can you get on my level of truth, you know, is a big, I, I think is a big, big test as far as, you know, human compatibility. And so I think I found that scene very relatable. And then the, um, yeah, and then, uh, and then the turnaround scene when he's with the full band doing the song is just this beautiful kind of triumphant moment, you know, of, you know, actualizing that and, you know, really, um, you know, him really kind of being able to you know, kind of, um, you know, project his truth and really being able to kind of stand in that in a kind of a triumphant way is, um, you know, really beautiful. I think that that whole, I mean, I, I found hi, hi, that whole arc to be really moving. Um, I also love the the scene at the di the dinner table with the um, the Veracorp family and the the couple who don't talk to each other. The, the yeah, the, the the husband and wife, the husband and wife who don't. <laughs> And it's and it's not and it's so yeah it's it's that and they they have that kind of that um that fifties niceness and you know wherever and it's you don't it's not I love the way they they deliver it because it's there's no tension or anything there's no you don't see any resentment between them it's just two people who are unable to relate to each other in any way and just literally like you know literally they just they they just simply can't they can't talk to each other because they just because of their their void of connection and it's not like a nasty or or resentful thing or it's just it's just pure it's just that um it's that pure disconnect i mean and that's i think what a lot of this film is is just you know people connecting or disconnecting because that's actually quite tragic but it's presented in such a like a a playful way and a yes. like a non-judgmental way it's like that's just what they do they just don't talk to each other. Can you please ask your mother to pass the pizza? Sure, it's that sort of thing. And I, I, I forgot. Just yeah, there's yeah, there's there's scenes like that that are so playful. And then a scene I completely forgot about was there's there's one scene of like the I think it's I think it's following one of the you know you know 
like the dating sequences with John Goodman or something big, you know, because it's kind of, you know, fits in that theme. But there's like the 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 couple in love who are like walking through the field and and, um, you know, and there's like, oh, I can't believe, you know, can't, you know, they're, they're just talking about I can't believe when we're in love. Love is so great. Lord, you know, I can't believe we found each other. This is in, this is incredible. And they're walking in the field and then it just ends with the, the woman going, did you fart? <laughs> So good. <laughs> just like it's such a human moment, and it's just. <laughs> I'm always going to be. A, I'm never not going to be a fan of an artfully placed fart joke. That had me in. I was watching it with my wife last night, and uh, we were in stitches when that happened. It's like it's relatable. The whole film is relatable. That is it's a relatable so relatable. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> um. I also yeah, yeah. For probably one one another. Another kind of surreal sequence that I, I really loved was the um, the church scene, the puzzle and evidence choir, church choir is just it, 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 just great. This kind of um, this kind of Billy Graham preacher who gets into the who kind of um, is getting into this diatribe about everything that's wrong with society and then is getting into the and and it's, um, it, you know, this. Um, all, you know, it's kind of like it's like half Billy Graham, half Art Bell conspiracy theory kind of <laughs> rant. And it's just, um, you know, kind of um, uh, bolstered by this, you know, incredible choir in the back. And it's just it's a it, yeah, that's just a wonderful scene. Um, the way and the way that he kind of segues. That's another great like segue into song of where how he segues from his from his sermon, from his like maniacal sermon into the song is, uh, is, is just, is just wonderful. That's a great scene. This, this film is so good, but I don't know too many people. Like, I, I don't know too many people who've seen this film. I, I don't hear people talking about it. I, I'm so surprised this film isn't more well known. Right. Yeah. I think it's, oh, it's definitely a niche kind of, uh, you know, a cult kind of film for sure. Um, it definitely has that, um, that kind of, it's a, yeah, like I said, you know, like we were saying before, kind of a, like a handshake kind of film. It's like when you know, see some, you meet someone who's seen, seen that film. It's like, you know, it's a special experience. Yeah. It's one of, it's definitely one of those. Even, even some, I mean, even people who like, who are like fans of the talking heads might not necessarily have seen this film. I'm really grateful now it's on Criterion because. Yes, me too. Sort of Blu-ray release. It came out a few years ago, but um, I just picked it up and it's a really great package. It's got. It's got the soundtrack on CD, which is yes. delightful. Yes, um, yeah, uh, I, I had that on. Um, yeah, I had I, I had that that on record, you know, years back. Yeah, that's uh, I got that on record years back. That's a it's a it's great. It, the yeah, the soundtrack is great because yeah, you have um, it's a great companion to the physical to the actual album because it's it, you know it's you know you you can kind of compare and contrast the studio songs to the um, originals and then and then you get a lot of the incidental music as well i don't think this was a big sort of box office hit at the time but it's, it got great reviews roger Ebert was a big fan and and now it does this amazing you know criterion version and it's available on streaming uh, to download so so I, I just implore everybody to go out and and watch this film it's such a treat yeah absolutely yeah one um one little bit I, I do know about like the kind of the, the making of it was uh, the um um the, it's what's interesting kind of a uh, point about the film is the the script was originally written by he commissioned the the script for the film from um the the actor and the playwright um Stephen Tobolowsky and Beth Henley who um 
uh, Beth Henley is a, you know, um, uh, American playwright who, you know, did things like, you know, um, uh, Crimes of the Heart and, um, uh, you know, um, you know, American plays of the uh, kind of modern American plays of the 80s that are, you know, s still treasured to this day. And then, you know, her husband at the time was the character actor Stephen Tobolowsky. Most people will know from uh, Groundhog Day as uh, Ned Ryerson, Bill Murray's annoying friend, uh, insurance salesman friend. Um, and, but yeah, who yeah, you've seen in everything. They wrote the script and I think they, because I think they, um, they had, they had known Jonathan Demi and um, I think met David Byrne at a a private screening of Stop Making Sense, and he commissioned um, them. And I think I think they contributed some of the structure and some of the characters, but I think he, a lot of the the content he ended up rewriting himself. I think they said that a lot of what they not much of what they of what they wrote as far as scenes and dialogue necessarily made it to the the screen, but um, but they you know kind of contributed as far as the um, a lot of the tone of the piece and you know kind of helped find a lot of the the characters and and settings. Um, I think the the one little bit of uh, trivia I got I, I remember from this is um, I think it was on a, a podcast that uh, Stephen Tobolowsky had years ago, but he told the story about um, with his friendship with David Byrne. He told. He talked to David Byrne about his um, his experience um, with, with with kind of psychic phenomenon and you know and having having kind of psychic visions and being you know he had went through a period of his time of his in his life where he could um, you know where he could kind of you know kind of psychically get inform you know kind of make observations about people and in a very kind of bizarre surreal way and you know and um, and so. Um, and David Byrne was kind of um, was very taken by this story, and that inspired um, the song Radiohead. Oh wow! He actually like said he actually said hey, you know at one point when he was writing the music for the movie he said uh, hey I have a I uh, I got a surprise for you and he wrote the and he said I I wrote this song about uh, about you. And so the the song Radiohead is about Stephen Tobolowsky. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's a good piece of trivia. It's a it's lovely. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it blew my mind when I heard it. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm not sure if uh, if Tom York is you know found his name from this band, but it would be amazing if Stephen Tobolowsky was some vicariously responsible for Radiohead. For the band Radiohead, I, I think he is. I, I think um, I think Tom York and the band have said it's inspired by by that song. So um, Stephen Tobolowsky is responsible for <laughs> is, Radiohead. Is, is in part <laughs> responsible for Radiohead. I love that, don't you? I, yeah. Ned How Ryerson not... is responsible. Ned Ryerson is responsible for Radiohead. <laughs> that's amazing, right? I... That's a, yeah. That's incredible. Well, I think that probably brings us uh, to the end of uh, of our chat about true stories. But Galen, there's one final commitment as, as a guest curator at our festival. Not only do you get to come and see the film, but you get to choose how the film is screened. So if I if I gave you a blank check to put this screening on, where where would you like to screen it? I mean, I think I'm not I'm not sure where they um, where they filmed it, but but I I think. I think the ideal venue would be outdoors in the fictional town of Virgil. 
I mean, I think that's, I, I, I think this, but, but that said, I think this would be a, this would be a great outdoor venue film um, for sure. I think I would love to have this film just kind of um, projected outdoors in, you know, kind of t in, in small town squares. You know, I think that would be, that would be great in just, uh, you know, the, you know, on the main street town square, just, uh, you know, on the, you know, on a, on, on a back wall building. This is a great kind of like outdoor, like, you know, picnic in the park kind of movie. Hundred percent. I think um, there's that really nice. It's something that really uh, I love about this film was the, uh, the sort of inserts, sort of incidental scenes just between the vignettes of like just day to day life, and throughout the film they're building up the uh, the stage uh, mm -hmm. for the the celebration. And the first time you see it is like the night watchman's on it, and uh, it's just a random shot of the stage at night, and he sings uh, whilst he's on the stage, and it, it kind of cracks me up. But maybe maybe there's a pop up venue like that, like that stage that they build. Uh, for the celebration of specialness and uh, and we can get an audience out in in sort of not a field but just like the desert exactly this is, i think this would be a great like yeah like a you know outdoor desert i mean yeah i think this would definitely be a great drive-in movie for sure any kind of you know any kind of outdoor venue like that would be great if anyone wanted to do like a um a rocky a rocky horror picture show style simulcast during the musical numbers if they had a um if if they if they had a whole group dancing on stage, you know, during Wild Wildlife, or you know, they had a a preacher and choir on stage as this was as this film was projected, that would be kind of kind of wonderful. I would love to have like you know, you know, people coming out in costume during the the Dream Operator fashion show. That would be great. Be incredible. I think we can make this. We can say it's a dress up screening. We want to see audiences in in wonderful suits and and leaning into it. And then yeah, maybe oh, maybe we can heighten it with some people on stage. Absolutely. Yes. I think this film is like definitely an an, an event. You know, it's a, it's more than a film. It's an event. And I think yeah. And it's an and it's and it's a film about community and about bringing people together. And I think yes, yeah, so that that would be um, any way to kind of you know build on that is you know. Um, you know, it would be the goal. Okay, well, sign me up. We'll, we'll find we'll find a, a flat plane of land, and we'll we'll build a we'll build a cinema. <laughs> yes, we'll build it up. Yes, and um, absolutely, yeah, from the ground up. Yeah. Thank you so much for for talking to us today, Galen, and, and for sharing you. this film. Honestly, it's 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 really tickled me, and I'm I'm going to be going back to this a lot. I can tell. Oh, good, good. Can you say what you're working on next? Most re most recently, um, did um. I did a film, um, I have a, a, a small part in an anthology film called Give Me an A, which is a, a kind of a genre anthology film that was um, uh, that was made in um, in response to the uh, the Roe v. Over Roe v. Wade overturn here in the States and um, uh, has just uh, some credible people involved like Virginia Madsen, Alyssa Milano, all female directors um, involved. Nice. Well, that sounds great. And of course, you know, what you talked about, Brooklyn and, and Boba Fett earlier, they're available on all the you know, variety of good streaming services. They're still out there. They haven't gone anywhere. So they're still, yeah, they're still there. They're still uh, and, there. Yeah. And where can people find you on social media if they want to stay up to date with you, Galen? Um, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at um, underscore Galen underscore Howard underscore and uh, much simpler at uh, Galen Howard uh, on Instagram. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been really good uh, to talk, uh, Galen. This is great. And next time I'm listening to the soundtrack, I'll be I'll be thinking back to to this chat. Same. Um, I'm going to be listening to the soundtrack so much. <laughs> I can tell. I can already tell. Absolutely. Yes. Anyone else out there? Yeah. It's a it's a um, it definitely belongs on every on every playlist. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or if you've got a mo, share an episode with your friends. Every recommendation helps. You can contact us on our website, 90minfilmfest.com, and on Twitter and Instagram, at 90minfilmfest. The podcast is produced by me, Sam Clements, and Louise Owen. It's edited by Louise Owen, with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick, and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.